There is a principle in scripture that has so many parallels with our natural world. God introduced this principle in Genesis 1 when he ordained all living things to reproduce after their own kind to fill the earth. Jesus spoke about what this same principle looks like in a spiritual context through many parables. The principle is that of multiplication. It speaks of the importance of not just receiving salvation through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but what we do with that grace. Join us as we explore a few of those parables and learn how we can effectively multiply. Today I want to finish off the Multiply series. Uh, We've just done three, this is our fourth in the series and this series has been showing us the importance of not just um, uh, being producing fruit but multiplication of that fruit. It's not just about doing or becoming a Christian but what we do as a result of our becoming a Christian. We've looked at from week one we talked about the vine and the branches and uh, the fact that if we want to produce fruit or to can, uh, have fruit, we need to be able to remain attached to the vine. We are the branches, the scriptures tell us in John 15. Second week, we looked at the parable of the talents and where each three different servants were given three different talents and probably of silver, a weight rather than a gift as such, and they were given according to their own ability. And we saw what happened. The, the one who was given five multiplied it, doubled it. Those, the one that was given two doubled it. The one that was given one went and buried it. And we talked about that in week two. And the importance of the, not just burying what God has given us, whether it's financial gain or it's in some other ways, we looked at that in week two. Week three, last week, we, we looked at... Um, the fact that we uh, seeds in the good soil and the bad soil or the wrong kinds of soils, four soils, four different groups of people, uh, four different stages of heart, whether we have hard heart, rocky heart, crowded out heart or crowded out ground or cultivated well-nourished soil. And the only one in those four soils that we looked at last week was the one that was mold, that was cultivated and nourished. It was the only one that produced any kind of fruit. And we talked about that last week. Today, as I bring this multiplication or multiply series to a conclusion, today's parable is a one verse, one line, one sentence parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13. And he uses many stories. Jesus constantly used stories, parables, to illustrate what the kingdom of God was like, to tell us so that we would have no lack of understanding in that area. The parable of the seeds, the parable of the wheat and the weeds and the mustard seed, all of those things were talking about what the kingdom of God was like. And today I want to focus on this one verse, Matthew chapter 13, 33, and he talks about the yeast and dough and bread. And he says this, in verse 33, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a small or only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated 
every part of the dough. That's the story. That's the parable. Now, before we get into the parable, I want to just alleviate one little potential problem that we have right at the beginning of this is because so often in the New Testament, when we hear of this yeast, it wasn't talking about a good thing. It was usually attributed to something bad. The, the yeast of the Pharisees was talked about. It was, it was used often in relation to negative kind of things. A little bit of sin permeates into our life. A little bit of yeast comes in and it makes a difference to us all. We've got to be careful that we don't do that. And Jesus warned that the yeast of the, that we had to be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, which included their teaching. Paul also wrote of the same sort of thing, and he said a little leaven leavens the whole lump when he's talking about something wrong, something evil, something bad, sinfulness. When he addressed um, what they had to do in order to withdraw from an unrepentant person in the church, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump, so get rid of that person. So you could be forgiven for thinking that leaven or yeast, same, same thing, was negative or it's representing something bad and while the idea of the yeast or leaven makes a good parallel to sin and evil and its ability to affect or infect the entire body Jesus is clearly not using yeast in that character in that way today he's not using it like that in fact, he was using, it's, it's not the yeast that's the problem, it's the properties of the yeast that is the dilemma. Well, it's not even a dilemma, it's what Jesus is using. When yeast is added, it makes some, It changes everything that it's in. The dough generally is when we're using making bread, um, and, and, it, and it causes the entire bread to change, or the dough to change. So it's the properties of the yeast that Jesus is now using in relation to the kingdom of God because that's exactly what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a small little bit in, three measures, one, it's not even one to three. It's a small bit, it permeated the whole lot. And this is one of many parables that Jesus spoke into the people that he didn't actually explain. And one of the first rules of, of understanding a parable is to understand what each part represents. Because if we don't understand the parallel part of it, we're going to miss the point of what Jesus is saying. Is he talking about bread and yeast? No, he's not. He's, not, he's talking spiritually about something because he likens the kingdom of heaven to, this, to a woman, not any particular woman, but to a woman who puts a little yeast into three measures of flour. And in this case, the yeast represents the kingdom of God, or the word of God, it could be. The, word, the kingdom of God is essentially because he's talking about the kingdom of heaven is like. So the yeast represents the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The bread that it goes into represents the world. So when we come to now understand what Jesus is talking about us in this parable, I want to unpack that a little bit because it's really important as we bring this series to a close to understand that it, it's a little bit goes a long way. 
We don't have, many of you, in fact, probably all of you, including myself, have often thought, well, what difference could one person make? What difference would my little bit do? How much could I change the world? How much can I affect what other people do? Well, let's unpack this a little bit. The first point on your sermon notes, if you've got sermon notes with you, um, hand, hard copies are there online at version. you can find them there. But the first one, the world, the whole world will be under the influence of the kingdom of God. The word that you need to put in is world. Speaking of this loaf of bread, Jesus said, even though she put in a little yeast into three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. It didn't, even though there was just a small bit, it went through the entire lot. In other words, the message that Jesus was wanting to teach those who were prepared to listen about the kingdom of God, because this is part of a series of the kingdom of God parables, is that even though it might seem insignificant, it has the power, the word of God, the kingdom of God has the power to change the world. Even though it might not seem like much is happening, it, it will change the entire world. It has the power to do that. There will be no part of the world that will escape the influence of the word of God, of the kingdom of God. No part will escape that. And the message of hope that we have as Christians, Christ followers, is the message that we need to be confident of, even though it might be one individual or one, you think, or I think a small message or something that seems insignificant, it has the power to change our nation and beyond. One little group or one individual who is committed to doing what we know we ought to do can change our community and beyond. And we need to understand that. And that's what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven it's like the yeast. It's going to go into the world and it's going to make a huge difference, even though we might not understand it. Paul recognises the same thing when he writes in Romans. He said, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? He answers his own question. He says, yes, they have. The message has gone out through the earth and the words to all the world. The, the kingdom of heaven has already started or began a long time ago to permeate the world. In fact, most countries, certainly in Western countries, can go back to their roots and, and recognise that we started with Christian foundations. Many of, our, many of the Western countries can do that. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul made another similar question, or comment to the church in Colossae and he says the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. The same good news that came to you is going out through the entire world. It is bearing fruit everywhere. We've talked about fruit bearing in the, this series. By changing lives, people's lives have been transformed by this message of hope, the good news that has taken, it's being spread throughout the entire world, just as it changed your life when you, the day that you first heard it. 
and you understood for the very first time the truth of God's wonderful grace. Now, Paul in that one verse to Colossian, to the church of Coloss- in Colossian, the Colossian church, let's put it the right way around. Colossians 1.6 has now made a statement that ties pretty much the last series of Resonate and this multiplication or multiply series and each of the individual sermons or messages in this series all together in one verse. The grace that we have received, that we have been given, that we've been extended. And when we understood the truth of that grace and we heard and we responded, we became repentant of heart. Not just sorry, but we repented from our sinfulness It changed our lives because that's the essence or the end result of a repentant heart. If you want to find out a definition of true repentance, go back to week two of the Resonate series. Or if you want to finish, if you want to go not that far back, you can go back to week eight because I repeated it in week eight. True repentance will always end up leading to a changed life. If it doesn't, we're not not repentant. If it doesn't, it probably means at best, we're just sorry. We're sorry we got caught. We're sorry we upset somebody, but we're not sorry enough to actually have a change of values and then a change of life as a result of that. But when we first heard and understood, it changed our life. And it's bearing fruit everywhere. This message is going and we can be part of that. That's what Paul's telling us in Colossians 1. And Jesus made a similar statement in Matthew 24 when he said the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the entire world or through the whole world. So all nations will hear it and then the end will come. The good news of the kingdom of heaven will be preached throughout the entire world so that there will be none that will have any excuse of not knowing. And when that happens, the scriptures tell us, Jesus says, then the end will come. And what Jesus is saying is that there is a direct correlation now between the yeast, the kingdom of heaven, and the dough. When the entire loaf is covered, then the end will come. And the good news is preached throughout the entire world. The timing of his return gets less. As we go forth, Jesus' return becomes more imminent. And the problem with this is that even though the the yeast may affect the entire bread or the entire loaf, the effect of the kingdom of God has on this earth will divide people. It will, and it is, and it has, and it will continue to do so. The yeast or the word of God that's been put into this world will divide people, the scriptures tell us, into just two groups. There's no third middle ground. There's those on his right, your left, or whichever way you want to go, on your right, those who do believe and those on his left who don't. That's the option that we have. And even though we might know that, Many will continue to deny the power of the word of God and the kingdom of heaven that it has in this world. Many will deny that. Many will deny the influence that it has as if nothing 
of, of that needs to happen or nothing has changed. It, they, there will be people who will receive with joy but throw it away because nothing changes. We talked about that last week. There'll be some that hear the word of God and they just say, you know what, that's not going to affect me. It's my life, it's my day, I can do what I want, my body, it's nothing to do with anybody else. Many will deny the power and the influence of the yeast or the word of God or the power of God or the kingdom of heaven has on our life. The, but it has had significant change in our life, whether we believe it or not, because the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the moment that, sorry, the moment that he rose from dying on the cross, that Split second, when he rose from the dead, the power of death was dealt with. Death no longer holds us in its grip. It's not the, oh no, what's going to happen anymore. It's not the, the worry that we have as Christians, as Christ followers. We don't need to fear that because we know that even though our bodies will go back to the dust that it was created from. Our spirit will return to this where it came from in the first place as well. Our physical bodies, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We, talk, we say that in a funeral service. That's the physical body will go back to where it came from and the spirit that is in us returns to where it came from. Where did it come from? Heaven itself, Jesus himself. Our spirit will go back to be, be judged by Jesus at that point. It doesn't mean we're going to get into the kingdom of heaven, everybody. It just means that our spirit will return for judgment. So it doesn't matter now whether you believe or not. That's going to be the end result. We all end up in the ground in a physical sense, but our spirit will live on. The scriptures tell us that, Proverbs, I forget the actual chapter and verse, but it's in there, in Proverbs somewhere around 30 or 28, something like that. It's, it's important we understand that because many deny the power. And while the whole earth might come under the, the influence of the kingdom of heaven, the whole earth will not respond in the right way to its presence. But we need to be warned because the kingdom of God will prevail. It's not going to be done away with. There is coming a day when at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, to the glory of God the Father, our King and one who is over us. We need to be, you need and I need to be assured that the kingdom of God is influencing the entire world, whether we believe it or not, and it's happening before our very eyes. Number two, the influence that it has on our world will not be obvious. That's the word, obvious. And while it's not essentially mentioned in this, in this two-sentence, two, two one-verse parable, the very nature of yeast is that once it's mixed properly, it's virtually undetectable in the dough. Except for the fact that the dough now begins to change. If you've ever made bread, 
you will know that once that yeast gets in there and it's mixed through properly and you put it in the sun or you leave it sit for a while, something changes in that dough. It begins to grow and that wasn't meant as a poem. And we need to recognise that. Don't be misled. God is working in our world and we need to understand that even though it might not seem like he is at work at times. Even though we might not see his presence in things that are taking place, he is at work. The kingdom of heaven is at work in our culture, even though it might seem like it's covered up with a whole heap of other stuff. It may not be obvious, but we need to be assured that if God took his presence out of this planet, if he took his presence off the planet Earth, the only thing would be left would be hell. We would literally be in hell on earth if Jesus took his influence and his presence away. There would be no talk of love. There would be no talk of care for one another. There would be no wonder about what would it be like. We wouldn't care. And we would have that. Don't be misled. The power of God is at work in our world, whether we recognize it or not. And the only reason that we know anything of love and goodwill toward men, which we sing at Christmas time typically, is because the kingdom of God is infiltrating our world. That's the only reason, because the scriptures tell us very clearly that God is love. And if he took himself away, there would be none of that left. Mind you, we're doing a really good job as human beings to try and remove the influence out of their society, right? We're doing it so much. We're trying really hard so that we don't have God's influence in anything. We think that if we stop people praying or we stop people sharing their faith, we can prevent people meeting together or we can do something like that, that we can just go on and live life like we want without the pressure, without the, the, the control that, that God might want to have. We, we think that as a nation, it's right across the world in many, in many respects. We're doing a really good job of taking God out of our society. There's some... In fact, we are in a position, I think, that we are going to have to come to terms with that very, very quickly or very soon and very quickly. We recognise, even in the last round of rules, the meeting together of Christian people is not guaranteed like we've always done it. And so we will come under pressure, increasingly so. There is a religious freedom bill being spoken about in Parliament right at this moment. Constantly, those that do not want it through will continually try and water it down, water it down, water it down until it's passed with no effect. It's constantly happening in our world right as we speak. And the influence of the kingdom of God isn't obvious in all of this. We think, well, where are you, God? Why, if God was doing anything, why wouldn't he stop this stuff from happening? But Jesus says that, and, and I know this is in a, in a different context, but if he says, if you were silenced, because they were complaining about the 
followers of Jesus crying out and worshipping Jesus before he was crucified. And he said to the Pharisees, he said, if they were silenced, even the rocks would cry out and they would worship. And I know that it was talking about the Pharisees not wanting and Jesus trying to stop them. I know that was the context of that verse. But I would say much the same thing in what we've just been talking about because I believe that there is nothing that is going to stop the word of God but from being preached through this world, through this nation particularly and through our community. There is nothing. In fact, it is more likely that the rocks on the ground themselves will cry out than the word of God would be stopped. Nothing is impossible for God, but we need to recognise that. Jesus, in my mind, in talking about that is probably hyperbole sort of stuff, but it's, it's just as real and practical. God can do that if he wants to. We don't need to worry about what's happening because the influence that the word of God, the power of God, the kingdom of heaven is having on us is effective whether we see it or not. It's not always obvious. Even Elijah, when the great Elijah, the prophet Elijah, the one of the greatest of all the prophets that were from the Old Testament, if he was concerned. He thought he was the only one that was standing up for the word of God. I'm the only one left, he said to God. Take me out of here. What did God say to him? He says, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed down to Baal. You're not on your own, Elijah. I am at work, even though it's not being clearly made obvious to you. I'm at work. And I would say the same to each of us today. God is at work. We can celebrate that. We can honour him. We can glorify him. We can keep our eyes fixed upon him. But let's not ever doubt for a second that God is not at work in this place. And we need to be faithful to that. When we look at the events that are taking place in our culture at this moment in time, it might seem as if nothing is actually happening. But we need to be careful that we're not measuring the kingdom of God's influence by what we see. Because Jesus made this statement to the Pharisees. Now when he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, this is what Jesus answered, he says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. It's not just, when it may not be obvious to us. The spread of the kingdom or the rule of God is taking place right in this place. The word of God is being sown even now in this second. It's being done right across the nation, across our world. It happens when we remain attached to the vine spoken about in John chapter 15. When we remain attached to the vine, we will bear much fruit. When we use the talent or the gifts that God has given us, rather than burying them, we will start to see a multiplication of the fruit that's being produced. When we keep our heart nourished and, and cultivated the way that it's supposed to, it will bear fruit 30, 60, even 100 times more than what it was went into it. It happens 
Like Jesus has told us many, many times, we need to remain confident in that fact that the word of God is at work. What starts out as something insignificant and as a teaspoon of yeast or less will eventually spread throughout the whole world, throughout the whole life. So what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? Just as there is one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess as Lord, many are going to find themselves forced to their knees by the Lord or out of sheer greatness of what they see before them. Some are going to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but they will be forced to their knees because the scriptures tell me that every knee will bow and they will be forced to the ground while others will fall to the ground on their knees in worship. Every knee will bow. There will be those who willingly submit and there will be those who don't. My advice to each of us, allow the leaven, the kingdom of heaven, to permeate your heart, every single part of it, and take the word of God into your heart, study it, meditate on it, then ask him to help you apply it. Don't allow the distractions of this world to keep you from following the truth of the scriptures because there are so many distractions. Don't allow the lies of Satan to harden our hearts anymore. Don't allow pride to keep us from falling to our knees in worship. We need to allow the word of God to, to produce fruit in our life. We need to see the fruit that's being produced so that we can become a leavening influence in our world. We need to be diligent so that we do the works that glorify God, our thinking, the words that come out of our mouth. The scriptures say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. They should be words of encouragement and blessing. We are to be salt in the earth. We are to be light in the world. We are designed by, by God's clear design to that we might glorify him by our works, the scriptures tell us. And as we do that, we'll influence the world that we are part of. Which brings me to the last point, and that is number three. It begins with us. In fact, if you want to write, rather than write us, write your name, because that's what it is. It begins with Ron. You can all write Ron if you like, but that's going to be not much point to that. It, it begins with me. It begins with you. If we're serious about growth and we're serious about multiplication, it begins right here. It begins in my heart. It begins in your heart. If we are serious about what we've been talking about over the past few weeks, there is no revival unless we allow God to start working in us first and foremost. It's no use to pray for revival in our community if we are unwilling to do what it takes to bear fruit ourselves. It's no use praying that God might restore himself to this country while we remain hard-hearted about doing what he's called us to do. Because revival begins in the heart of man. 
It's only when we take God in God's word into our life and we study it and we, that we can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that the evidence of the yeast will be clear, will be obvious. Some of you will have heard of, of what this, of Gypsy Smith, some will have heard the, the, the statement that I want to read in a minute. But Gypsy Smith was a, an evangelist in London he never received any formal education, yet he lectured at Harvard. And despite his humble origins, he was invited by two sitting US presidents to the White House. He preached the gospel to millions of people and he never preached ever without someone surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. And when asked of others how they could make a difference like this, his response was profound. This, you may have heard this, but it's profound. Listen to it. He said, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within the chalk circle. And that's how revival will come. And that's how revival will come to our community. It's how it will come to the church. It's how it will come to our country. When there are thousands of, ch of chalk circles drawn throughout this land. When there are thousands of people who are prepared to ask the Lord to begin the revival in our heart. The transformation will affect us not just when we go to church, but it will affect us when we walk down the path, when we go shopping, when we head off to work. It will impact every aspect of our life. It will be felt. The impact of this will be felt across our entire nation. Can't go much further at the moment. We're not allowed to travel. It will be felt across the world because the power of God's not restricted. And I believe that we are on the brink of an enormous change in our society. We might not all like it. The risk to gathering is ever increasing as time goes on. The way of gathering that we have been accustomed to may well be significantly different to what it looks like in the future. But here's the thing. While the scriptures tell us that we are not to forsake the gathering together, it does not tell us that we have to meet in a building like this. As comfortable and lovely as it is to gather together like this, the scriptures don't talk about air conditioning, comfortable chairs, waterproof rooms, carpet on the floor. It doesn't talk about comfortable beds that we can sleep in. We don't have to have all the ministries like we've had running in the past. We are called to gather. That simply means at its at its core part, that we need each other. We need each other. And if we can't meet like we're meeting now, well, that doesn't stop us needing to meet because we need each other. And we've got to work around that. We've got to work out ways that we can do that. That's why it's important that we understand we've got to have a soft heart. The circle of chalk has to be around each of us so that we can do what's right and what's powerful. When God's people called on him to fill, fill 
them and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We want that for ourselves, to be overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit and to, for the Spirit to draw us into his presence, to guide our thinking, to guide our words, to guide our actions. And when that happens, we will begin to see the power of God at work in our culture. And it can happen, even though it might not seem very significant, even though it might not be so obvious, it will permeate the entire world. When God's people do that, we'll begin to see the evidence of the Holy Spirit power at work in our community and we will start to see knees bowing. We will see tongues declaring the power of God at work, that Jesus is Lord. We will start to see true and real worship in our churches. So we need to pray, pray that that can take place because while preaching moves the heart of men, praying moves the heart of God. We need to be praying, asking God for his mercy upon our nation. Next week, some of you get the Canberra Declaration stuff in your inboxes. There is a call next Sunday, I think, I believe, for next Sunday to be a day of prayer asking because of the religious freedom bill and a whole heap of other stuff, but asking or seeking God's forgiveness for us as a nation, asking for his mercy on what we have done. We need to be praying and asking God for that. And it's then that we'll start to recognise that this world isn't really our home. It's where we live but it's not really our home. Jesus put that into perspective in John 17 when he was praying to his father. He says, they, speaking of the disciples and future followers, they're not of this world, he says, just as I'm not of this world. The writer of Hebrews later on picks up that same thought when he says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And then Jesus later Prayer in the same prayer says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. In other words, this is not our home, but God's not going to take us out just yet because there's work to be done. But he's prayed for you and he continues to uphold us so that we will not be overpowered by the evil one. You have the authority of Jesus to go into this world and make disciples, baptising people, declaring Jesus to our, world, to our world and nation. You have that authority. You have that power to do that because you have been given that through the Holy Spirit. So as, as you stand in your circle, I kind of wish I'd given you all a piece of chalk this morning. By now it would have been in a million pieces. But I kind of wish you had that. As you stand in your circle and you pray for revival, recognise, recognise this one thing. The circle boundary is not the limit. It might begin in that circle, but it cannot stay in that circle. The yeast is not going to be spread into the dough unless if we stay in our bubble. It's not going to come out of the circle unless we do something about that. The effects of the yeast, the effects of the kingdom of heaven can only be felt when we mix with the world, the dough. 
some are more doughy than others. The world, and we start to do the work that we've been called to do. We represent Christ. And as Timothy says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And the multiplying effect of the word of God will be evident in all our efforts that we put our mind to. In all those things where the power of God is at work. When God is at work, he, there is nothing that is going to hinder what he wants to do for us. Let me pray. Father, right now, help us to take that piece of chalk in our mind and to, to start in front and to draw a circle around ourselves. Not worrying about other people at this point, but to be concerned only with the heart of the person standing in the centre of the circle. And to know, Lord, that, that we have the authority in the name of Jesus to call upon you the Holy Spirit can fill us and equip us and restore us if we are willing to submit. And Heavenly Father, it, it, the whole world, we, we spoke today about the fact that the whole world is under the influence of your word, even though we might not understand it, even though it might not be quite that obvious. But you are at work. And I pray today that that work would be never more obvious than in my life. 